This is Talking Pictures. Hello and welcome to Talking Pictures, your essential guide to the movies with me, Frida Cooper. And this week, a couple of well-known stories get a makeover. The Scottish comedy Whiskey Galore and The Legend of King Arthur, well, that gets the Guy Ritchie treatment. You've got the wrong man, sire. I was born in a brothel on a bridge in Londinium. The sword can only be drawn by Uther Pendragon or his direct. Air. You felt it, didn't you? The power. That's what put you out. You just don't know how to control it. And King Arthur himself, a.k.a. Charlie Hunnam, is the subject of this week's big interview. On DVD, we've got a couple of Oscar winners, Manchester by the Sea and La La Land. I got a call back. What? Come on. <laughs> For what? For a TV show. The one that I was telling you about. Earlier. The Dangerous Minds meets the OC? Yeah. Congratulations, that's really incredible. Exciting. I feel like I said negative stuff about it before. What? It's like Rebel Without a Cause, sort of. I got the bullets. Yes. You've never seen it. I've never seen it. You know it's playing at the Rialto. Really? Yes. You should, I mean, I'll, 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 I can take you. Plus, there's the new top five at the British box office and the latest movie news headlines, all in around 20 minutes. First up, it's the new releases, and all over cinemas in the UK this week is King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, Certificate 12A. A bit of a change of territory for Guy Ritchie. I mean, there were no geezers with guns in the Middle Ages. And his particular version of King Arthur, that's Charlie Hunnam, talks about the director's approach to the movie in this week's big interview. What I think Guy has done is created a a very accessible Arthur for the new generation. He's, he's a lot sort of more rough and ready. What, what we both were eager to avoid was um, this sort of noble soul looking for a cause, you know? Um, that's not at all really who, who Arthur is in, in this um, incarnation. He's a, a pretty selfish guy who's had to grow up fending for himself, and he's carved out a, a little world for himself where he's the prince. What Guy has done is said, no, 85% of this film is about character and storytelling. And then we're going to just sprinkle, you know, some magic on top and blow the scope way wider. But as you see behind us, I mean, we're on fully realized sets and, and, you know, there's very, very little green screen. And every conversation, I mean, we've been here for 90-some days shooting this. Every single conversation I ever have with guys about storytelling, narrative, and character development. It's been an incredible experience for me and a a great uh, learning experience and period of growth working with with Guy. He is by far and away the best person I've ever seen on set, Um, making decisions in real time, deciding something's not working, and immediately coming up with a solution that's better and changing dialogue, reimagining, working with the actors. In, very, in a very just instinctual way, he's, he needs to be on the environment with the people that are going to inhabit any given scene, and then it comes alive to him, and he can start understanding it and feeling it and, and crafting it in one way or another. 
Now, of course, I'd be surprised if Hunnam wasn't behind Guy Ritchie's approach. After all, it's given him his second lead role of the year. But the chances of 2017 belonging to him have taken a pounding after this. Because as far as Arthurian legend is concerned, it's pretty obvious that Ritchie doesn't know his Uther dragons from his Mordreds, nor does he know how to give us a fresh angle on a familiar story. In which case, I'm not going to dwell on the narrative too much. The young Arthur sees his father killed and escapes to Londinium, where he's raised in a brothel. At the same time, his uncle Vortigen, the evil uncle Vortigen, is ruling England with a rod of iron. Although Jude Law clearly had a bit of fun playing the bad guy. Vortigen is on the throne. Now, from Vortigen's point of view, he is dominating and, and ruling the country with fear and and yet also order as he sees it he's also in the process of purging the country of mages and and the old ways and harnessing power solely for himself and when i saw the film he was obviously having more fun than the rest of the audience and that's because he was hamming it up giving us a pantomime villain but without the twirling moustache that by the way is the least of the film's problems richie's snappy editing and quickfire humor and of course the whole cockney shtick just doesn't belong in medieval england and it's as if the director actually worked that out for himself so what he's done is to smother everything with cgi far too much of it the action sequences are piled on top of each other so they all merge into one much of a muchness there are other shortcomings as well the pounding score for one which will give you a headache somebody i knew at the screening actually went down with a migraine afterwards there's a large chunk of the film where it seems he's also mixing up two legends the result being arthur hood and his merry knights And there is the much-derided, and deservedly so, cameo from David Beckham. Cue lots of embarrassed giggles and the longing for Monty Python. Just a few weeks ago, Richie was talking about follow-ups. Now he seems to have gone rather quiet on the subject. And you know, the sad thing about this is that the King Arthur legend has always been the gift that kept on giving to filmmakers. But what Guy Ritchie has done is to make something laughably trite, and it's nothing more than an epic fail. From a sort of medieval England to something closer to the present day, colossal. Is it there? A giant monster? Yeah. What is it doing? It's dancing. It's dancing like... Uh, it stopped. <laughs> ah! I'm blowing you. I'm blowing you kisses. Oh, what the? Okay, how? How? Wait, wait. This isn't happening. Anne Hathaway completely baffling her mates in Colossal, which is out now, Certificate 15, and I kind of know how they feel because this is a film that really had me stumped. The story goes like this. Gloria, that's Hathaway, has hit something of a crisis. She's been kicked out by her boyfriend because of her drinking and her party lifestyle and retreats to the family home to get herself back together. Except that she falls in with an old school friend, Oscar, that's Jason Sudeikis, and he runs a bar. Then she sees reports on TV about a monster attacking Seoul in South Korea and gets the distinct feeling that she's connected to it. Now, I should say there is a lot to like about this. It's a mixture of sci-fi and a bit of horror and some comedy. And yes, it does take a while to get off the ground, but it does start in an entertaining way, even if it doesn't seem to be going anywhere in particular. 
except of course that it is going somewhere and we see that in the opening sequence which involves a little girl, her doll and a monster in Seoul 25 years ago. Now it's come back and its rampage is all over the TV news and that is where the film goes right out on a limb, either taking the audience on an extraordinary journey or losing it completely. It's not short on originality, but the monster storyline doesn't make a whole lot of sense, especially when a robot gets in on the act as well. But if you're happy to take the film as it comes and enjoy its incongruities and general lunacy, none of that will be a problem. If your frame of mind is a bit more literal, it might take some swallowing. It is a premise with loads of potential and it's helped by winning performances from both Hathaway and Sudeikis and uh, the monster itself comes with a quirky humour all of its own too. You can see why Colossal has its fans. You can also see why it has its detractors. For me, well, the idea kind of runs out of steam two-thirds of the way through and it all descends into something close to silliness. I'd suggest you go and see it and make up your own mind. And then tell me if I've missed something, because I keep feeling I have. To Scotland now for a wee dram, or perhaps a large one, in whisky galore. There is no more whisky. The island is dry. This day has brought a terrible shock. Nothing but tea. Oh, you would think there's nothing worse than this drought could happen. Is a miracle too much to ask? What is your cargo? Whiskey, 50,000 cases! And that was the answer that the residents of the island of Todday wanted to hear in Whiskey Galore in Cinemas Now Certificate 12A. And if that title sounds familiar, it's because it's a remake of the classic comedy from 1949, all about the islanders who managed to retrieve all that whiskey from a ship that's gone aground, even though it's the Sabbath and the officers from Customs and Excise want to get their hands on it. But why they have remade the story, I really do not understand. And the film doesn't offer any answers either, because the story is pretty much the same as before, and so are the characters. Well, if they were really characters. In a film like this, the comedy comes from the people. But here, they're just caricatures, and all the jokes fall flat, even if they are telegraphed horribly obviously. The upshot is that this is a sorry mess, a watered-down version of the original that cries out for the light touch and the delicate irony of Bill Forsyth. Okay, he might have turned it into something of a boozy local hero, but that would have been far better than what we get here, which is nothing more than Scotch on the Rocks. You're listening to Talking Pictures. I thought in this town it worked on a sort of one-for-you, one-for-me type system. How about two-for-you, one-for-me? How about all for you and none for me? That's perfect, yes. Great. Okay. Okay, mutual decision then. Right. Made, made by me. Right. And I sign off on it, so... Whatever. Tell yourself what you want to know. On to this week's DVDs now, and thank goodness at least two of them are a whole lot better than the new releases. First up is this year's big Oscar winner, La La Land, and we heard Ryan Gosling and J.K. Simmons in the clip. You can't have a Damien Chazelle film without J.K. After a couple of remakes this week, it's a really refreshing change to have something 
totally original, a musical developed from scratch, one with contemporary resonances, but also lots of nods towards films of the past and Hollywood stars. There are so many, I lost count, but that is all part of the fun. Now, there is no mistaking that Chazelle is behind this one, with his love of jazz and his scalpel precision editing. Shots change like the tick of a clock, giving the film all its pace and energy. And there is a serious amount to love about La La Land. In fact, it is very, very hard to resist, assuming, of course, that you even want to try. From the colour and romance of La La Land to something more downbeat, but no less impressive... Manchester by the sea. You don't want to be my guardian? That's fine with me. Not that. It's just the logistics. I've just got to work it all out, I swear. What about my mother? Huh? The judge would never let that happen. And anyway, no one even knows who she is. I do. She's in Connecticut. At least she was last year. She emailed me last year, so I emailed her back. Did your father know you were in touch with her? Are you kidding? All I know is... I know, I know, I know. She's a drunk, she's insane. It's the last thing that your father ever would have wanted. Oh, like suddenly you care what he would have wanted. Casey Affleck and Lucas Hedges as his nephew getting used to each other and not finding it easy in Manchester by the Sea. The story of a reclusive man who suffers a double whammy. The death of his older brother and then finding out that he's been made the teenager's guardian. As far as he's concerned, he's not cut out for it and he doesn't want it which doesn't sound like much of a plot. But this isn't actually a film that's about narrative. It's more of an emotional journey, and it both needs and takes its time. So there are flashbacks to give us the background to the characters. Affleck and his ex-wife, played by Michelle Williams, his brother Joe and his shaky marriage. And we find out why Affleck's character is the way he is. Kenneth Lonergan's finely crafted script is a gift to the entire cast, solemn and almost unbearably moving as it examines grief and guilt. The acting is outstanding. Affleck, of course, won an Oscar. The cinematography is beautifully washed out. And Manchester by the Sea may be unassuming and unglamorous, but it's a heart-rending and compassionate film and one that is an absolute must-see. And we're going back in time to the Middle Ages yet again for the last of this week's DVDs, Assassin's Creed. What is this? I'm sorry, Carl. This is not the way I like to do things. And don't do it. What do you want from me? Your past. Listen to me carefully, Carl. You're about to enter the Animus. What you're about to see, hear and feel are the memories of someone who's been dead for 500 years. And Michael Fassbender is reunited for this one with Marianne Cotillard, who we heard there, and director Adam Arkapor. They all work together on Macbeth. That was visually stunning at times, but apart from that, it wasn't quite Shakespeare. Assassin's Creed is another film that looks great, but underneath, it's horribly confusing and just muddle-headed. This is Talking Pictures. This is Talking Pictures. This is Talking Pictures. With Frida Cooper. And that's this week's lineup. And you won't be in the least bit surprised when I say that none of the new releases came even close to being my film of the week. This time it's a tie between two of the DVDs La La Land and Manchester by the Sea. Don't even bother trying to choose between them, just watch them both. Guy Rich's King Arthur, or should that be Arthur, 
has tanked in the States, as you might have already heard. It stands to lose around $150 million for Warner Brothers, so I'm sure they're going to be hoping for a better reception over here. Chances are it should make it into next week's charts. As for this week, well, here's the new top five of the British box office. Just one new entry in the top five this week, although it's also noticeable that it includes four films that have occupied the number one slot. Such is the ferocity of the competition at the moment. The film at number five is the one that didn't get to the top, and it's a dog's purpose. Fast and Furious 8 is at four, with The Boss Baby at number three. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 couldn't quite hold on to the top slot, and it's down at number two, making way for the new number one, and that, of course, is Alien Covenant. This is wheat. What are the odds of finding human vegetation this far from Earth? Who planted it? You hear that? What? Nothing. No birds. No animals. Nothing. And in this week's movie news headlines, the omens are looking good for Wonder Woman, which opens at the start of June. The first reviews are in, and they are pretty much unanimously positive. So this could be the film that turns things around for Warner and DC. Jesse Eisenberg looks set to play the French mime artist Marcel Marceau in a film about his experiences in the French resistance and Angela Bassett is going to be joining Tom Cruise et al. in Mission Impossible 6. Yes, I did say six. You're listening to Talking Pictures. And that's all from this week's Talking Pictures. On next week's show, the latest blockbuster from Disney, the fifth in the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. Salazar's Revenge. Hand me a sword. I don't have a sword. What kind of soldier has no weapons? I'm currently wanted for treason. So not the very good kind, then. I'm looking for a pirate, Captain Jack Sparrow. Well, today is your lucky day. Because I just happen to be Captain Jack Sparrow. And yes, Johnny Depp is still playing Jack Sparrow. Well, why break the habit of a lifetime? On DVD, it all gets animated in Sing. What's not to like? You're a female and you're a teenager. This song was made for you. Wow, it's like you can see inside my tiny teenage mind. I know, right? You just gotta add some moves and a little bit of... Hey, I just met you. And this is crazy. But here's my number. So call me maybe. Go for it! Oh, you mean like this? Try to take me, but here's my number. So call me maybe. There you go. You're a natural. Plus, there's the new top five at the British box office and the latest movie news headlines. Before then, you can check out my reviews and interviews on Flickering Myth and Filmoria. You can stay up to date with Talking Pictures by liking the official Facebook page. And you can follow me on Twitter. That's at Frida Talking Pics. And, of course, Talking Pictures now has its own YouTube channel. So I'll be back with another edition of Talking Pictures next week. Until then, enjoy the movies!